Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. This is episode 44, recorded on April 13th in Australia. So hey, my name is Julie Fafan Balzer, and with me as always is my co-host, Eileen Balzer. Hi, Mom. Hi, Julie. This feels so close and yet so far. I feel like we finally figured out the time difference. I've been here for a week and we, the 14, I mean, I think it's so, uh, so Boston is 14 hours behind where I am. So, which actually makes the math surprisingly easy to figure out. And, you know, for years and years, whenever I've been trying to arrange things with people in Australia, obviously there are different time zones, but, you know, particularly out of the Sydney, Melbourne time zone, it's always been so problematic. And now it's, it's so simple. I feel like an idiot. Well, I will also say that it's the day thing because it's tomorrow for you. When you fly yes. to Australia, you lose a day. And then when you fly back, it's as if you come back minutes after you've left. You get two time travel. I actually think that um, I was looking at my ticket and I think I get back. I get arrive in California before I left Sydney. Wow. Something I know it's something insane like that. I'm, ex- I'm excited for some time travel. I hope I get younger along the way. I don't think that's part of the deal. I hope so. I hope so. Anyway, All right. So, so uh, tell me about things. I know that you flew to Melbourne. And yes. uh, you've already had one weekend of classes. How's, mm-hmm. the, how's everything feeling? So it's good. I mean, actually, it was interesting. We had a conversation last night about whether or not we were unjet lagged now that we've been here for almost exactly a week. And it's say a funny who, thing. Say who we is. Oh, so we is. So my friend Natalie Callback and her husband, Jim. And uh, we, you know, we've been here for about a week. And the funny thing is, like Nat and I were saying, I don't think I'm unjet lagged, which is to say, like, my body is awake and I'm present, but like, I'm not hungry at the right times of day. And I, I, who normally stay up until 2, 3 in the morning, no problem, at like 9.30, I want to punch myself in the face and crawl into the bed like I'm so tired. And then I, who never get up early, am up regularly at like 7.30, 8 a.m. And so it's not, I mean, so I think that that's a jet lag or you could say like, well, if you stop getting up at 7.30 in the morning, you'll be able to stay up later. I mean, I don't know, but it's just, it's interesting because I would have thought that after a week... I would be completely acclimated. Well, don't they say it takes one day for each hour of time difference? So it will actually take you 14 days to adjust well, fully. Thank goodness I'm here for 27 days. <laughs> I had to figure that out for my customs form because they say to you, you know, how long are you here? And it's in uh, days and months and years. And so I was like, am I here for... And I counted, and it's 27 days. So I guess I'll be adjusted. I just need another seven days under my belt. Now, you know, I've been going on Periscope to watch people broadcasting live from Australia. So usually I go, and it's my night and Australia's day. And I've seen two really interesting Periscopes. One was the one I told you about where... A man is just walking through his housing project in the early morning and giant kangaroos go hopping by and into the forest. And then the other was a man was walking his dog down to the beach and in the trees you hear all this noise. And he turns the camera in his phone there 
and it's these gigantic vampire bats just hanging like fruit from the tree branches. I I, I have the sense that Australia is both familiar and strange. Yeah, you know, it was really interesting. So when we were in Melbourne, which is where we spent most of our time, it felt, uh, we all talked and said it reminded us very much of Brooklyn. It has a very, like, urban, modern, grungy vibe. There, We were staying in a particularly hipstery neighborhood called Fitzroy. Um, and everything is covered in graffiti in Melbourne and beautiful, like, I mean, not like scrawly graffiti, but like beautiful art graffiti, just like paintings everywhere, every building. I mean, it's rare, in fact, to see things that aren't covered in graffiti. And um, food was amazing and fantastic and, you know, certainly on par with stuff I've eaten in, you know, many great cities and fabulous shopping and funky, interesting clothes and like just very modern, you know, and cool. And they're the, one of the things I like the best is their public transport system has a free zone. And like when you're within certain amounts of the city limits, it's just free hop on, hop off. And you only have to pay when you go to the outer limits, which is kind of shocking and amazing and fantastic and it makes things really easy to get around um plus it's a very walkable city which is great and then when we got here to sydney last night we were walking we got here very late it's a 10-hour drive from melbourne to sydney through a lot of um farmland and we saw uh we saw kangaroos and wallabies and uh a lot of sheep a lot of llamas, or as I like to call them, la llamas, because I feel like it's sad that the second L doesn't get a little love. Uh, and cows, did I say that? Horses. Um, just a lot of, you know, stuff. And, and it was interesting also to watch the countryside change, because at first everything was very dry. It was brown. And I said, uh, I was like, oh, I guess it makes sense now to me that kangaroos are kind of like brown colored because this landscape is so brown. And then as we drove on, um, the closer we got to Sydney, things started to get more verdant and lush and green. And there started being these forests of beautiful trees and sort of a, more of a jungly feel. And then when we got here late last night, we walked to the supermarket because, you know, food is of tantamount importance when you're traveling. And um, I said, you know, if a dinosaur came along, I would not be surprised because they have that kind of tropical greenery here in Sydney with like the huge leaves and like, you know, those weird plants that um, are very foreign to me, certainly on the East Coast, maybe in parts of California they have it, but really I've seen more in like South America and other places where um, that are more sort of tropical in feeling and it's incredibly swampy here. That's been the biggest surprise. Um, Sydney, I mean, Melbourne was very, um, even though it rained, it never felt like swampy. This feels like wet. You know, and again, we've only been here for like, I mean, we slept and woke up pretty much. So, of course, we ate kangaroo sausage last night, kangabangas. Well, that reminds me that um, I'm looking at a photo of a menu you made. Specials are camel burger with lettuce, tomato, cheddar cheese, homemade chutney. Then there's um, mountain peppered emu, emu filet. With sweet potatoes and pepperberry and lemon wallaby, which you just said you saw hopping around. Yes. Well, we also did see some as roadkill, but we did also see some hopping around. So what I want to try any of it. 
we didn't try any of it. I was in a bar and they had a, they said, oh, we have, you know, some game on our game board. And um, I took a picture of that and sent it to you. Uh, I didn't try any of that. We did have Kanga Bangas from a supermarket last night. I don't actually, yeah, I don't, I don't tend to like um, game meat. Uh, I find it for lack of vocabulary. Oh, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, by the way, I found out that the internet in Australia is actually slower than it is over like in the US and Europe because they don't have those ginormous glass cables that run under the ocean that we have that help things move faster. So we've been having a lot of internet issues, which has been kind of interesting. If interesting is a code word for incredibly frustrating because I'm completely internet dependent. (laughs) Have you, so talk a little about the class that you and Natalie taught. So Natalie and I taught our mixed media circus class and it was, um, and we, it was in a warehouse space. So it's like, you go to like kind of an office park and there's, um, it's like a big garage door and, um, you walk in and it's a very industrial space. Like the ceilings, I'm so bad at measurements, but it was like at least what would normally be like two or three floors of an office building, like really, really high ceilings. Um, and then the tables are all set up and the shop is at the back And, um, so interestingly, we knew that we were not going to bring like paint and stuff with us, that we were just going to buy it when we were in Australia because we were, we had to bring enough for the students to use for this particular class. And it was just not worth it to like schlep it from the U S. So the most interesting thing was going to an art supply store and seeing the prices. Yeah. Because holy crap, Ola. It was yes. so expensive. It blew my mind. Like uh, nowadays, I mean, like you always hear like what you can and can't find in different countries and like what's expensive and what's not. But I was like, if I were an artist, I mean, we bought an Australian brand too. We like, tr- we looked at Golden and Liquitex and stuff like that. And we were like, whoa, we just got so priced out. Um, and so we bought this Australian brand called Matisse, mm-hmm. which is made in Australia, figuring, you know, that would be the most economical it's also a scary thing to buy a paint that you've never used. Oh, and there was an interesting moment in the art supply store when we were asking the guy who worked there about the um, viscosity of the paint, like how thick is it and stuff. And he said, well, I'll open the jar and you can see. So he opened the jar and Natalie did what an artist normally does. And she just stuck her finger mm-hmm. right into the paint to see what it was and to feel it. And all of a sudden he went, you know, that's a cadmium. And she was like, okay. And what we didn't realize is what it's illegal in Europe and the U.S. to use real cadmium in your paints, but not in Australia. And cadmium is a toxic chemical that you're not supposed to touch to your skin. Ah. I know. but we And so like when you see a cadmium red in the U.S., you touch it because there's no problem because it's fake. It's not real cadmium. Hmm. You know? So that was an interesting moment because so we were like – has her finger dropped off yet? <laughs> so, her finger has not dropped off. And she, and she, you know, she wiped her hand off and stuff. But it was like an interesting moment because we were like, I never think about the safety of my paints because I don't use oil paints, which can be very dangerous. And there are still some oil colors that use lead. 
I use acrylic, which generally is considered to be fairly safe, and you can touch it to your hands. I mean, it was interesting because when I took my printmaking class at the MFA recently, mm -hmm. the teacher talks about how she wore gloves because she works with printing inks all the time, and she wants to have a long career, and so she doesn't want to come in contact with the paints because lots of people develop allergies if they keep coming in contact with the paints. Mm -hmm. And she said, but since we we're only doing it briefly, we didn't want to wear gloves. And it's funny because it never occurred to me that I might need to wear gloves in doing the mm -hmm. work that I do where I work with my hands and stuff a lot because I've never heard of anybody having really negative reaction to acrylic, although acrylic is a fairly new medium as opposed to the studies that have been done on the diseases people get from oil paint and, you know, printing ink and like all sorts of other stuff. But I forget sometimes that we work with toxic material because it seems so benign. Well, and you're very concentrated often on breathing the fumes. Uh, not yeah. breathing fumes, right. Well, yeah, I mean, I do but my you don't, best. But... but you don't actually really think about the touching it. Yeah, which is an interesting problem, so. And what about, yeah, sorry. You, Go ahead. You've been to already several museums as well, right? Yeah, so we went to the... Um, Oh gosh, am I actually going to forget the, the National Gallery? Which it so this is interesting. So we went to the National Gallery, and I think it turns out that there are two different National Gallery buildings, but the signage is not helpful, and the person who checked us in didn't tell us that. But afterwards, we were like, I thought there was supposed to be this Ai Weiwei, you know, exhibit at the National Gallery, and we didn't find it. And then afterwards, everybody was like, Oh, that's in the other building, and we were like, What other what building? Other building? <laughs> So that was really interesting because I guess there are two locations for it. But the good news is we got to see what I really wanted to see, which is I've seen Ai Weiwei's work. And in fact, the um, Boston MFA has a bunch of Ai Weiwei right now. Um, but uh, what I don't get to see that often is Aboriginal art. And so the National Gallery had a ton of it, of Indigenous art of all kinds, which was really exciting and fun to see. Um, the most interesting gallery to me was one that they had painted the walls pink. Huh. Like um, intensely hot pink? No, like Pepto-Bismol kind of pink. And yeah. so a lot of Aboriginal art uses um, white. And so it was interesting to see it up against the pink walls because white does read differently when it's against a pink wall as opposed to a white wall, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and you did read the paintings differently. And also, you know, they say that pink is like a calming and soothing color. Yes. And so I wonder, like, cause sometimes some of that art is very, like, energetic and, and, like, kinetic and, like, you know, vibrates. And I wonder if the pink, like, calms you in looking at it or something. I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting choice. So did you go to any other museums? Uh, no, you know what? There's so, we, we, uh, went past a bunch of museums and funnily enough, normally where Natalie and I would be like, let's go in, let's go in. There was so much street art. Great. We just spent endless hours on a like street art safari, basically, where we would just go down alleyways where, by the way, Natalie's very sensitive to smell and everything was like, oh, <laughs> but it was worth it because we got to see some great stuff. So that was really, really fun. So now you're in Sydney, but you're actually going to be teaching this weekend outside Sydney. Yeah, we're teaching at a place I think called Berkeley Vale. So we're in Sydney for a couple of days. I know we're going to do, uh, in fact, I probably should leave because we're about to go down towards like the opera house and do some touristy stuff. 
And then we're going to do some shopping because that's an important part of any city. And some eating, also important. And then uh, I think we, and then tomorrow we have some more plans, maybe a museum, maybe some other stuff. And then we're going to go get ready to teach, maybe see some crocodiles on the way. Well, I look forward to pictures. Yes, I am going to post a ton of pictures. I'm having a good time. And the most interesting thing is that I uh, I brought tons of different art supplies to make some art while I'm here. And I'm just finding that I'm so exhausted at the end of every day that I have barely even cracked open my art journal. It's a little bit sad, but I suppose I'll get into the rhythm at some point. Well, also, maybe you're uh, um, absorbing and then you'll regurgitate. <laughs> Here's to throwing up some art. There you okay. go. Have so, fun. Thank you. And thanks so much. And uh, if you're looking for me, you can always find me at ballsdesigns.typepad.com. And of course, if you tweet about the show, we'd love for you to use the hashtag artingpodcast. That's A-R-T-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. So thanks so much for listening to the Adventures in Arting Podcast.